Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to Beyond the Haunt. I'm Evelyn Kennedy. And I am Jessica Powell. And we're answering listener questions on all things spirit. Today our question is, what are spirit guides and how do I connect with them? I like how you're just jumping right into it when we like missed a whole entire month. Okay, well give them the, give them the rundown. I like to dub the month of May as either Mavid or Covey. I think neither of those are particularly snappy. I think you're wrong. <laughs> so anyway, we, we had COVID. <laughs> we had COVID. It definitely set us back a little bit in our work, recording, home life, everything. It sucked. It was for, terrible. Yeah. You know, for those people who say it was like the cold, I would have loved a cold. A cold would have been great. And to be fully transparent, Evan and I are both fully vaxxed and boosted. And uh, that stuff sucked ass. Yeah. Real bad. COVID brain. Like, we started to feel better, like, a little bit, two, maybe, like, a week and a half ago. But my COVID brain was so bad, I felt like I was literally stoned out of my mind. Yeah. I feel like it feels nice to finally be a little bit more um, on top of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty It was pretty wretched. The whole breathing thing, the whole, like, tasting thing, all, all of it. It's a really weird disease. So for anybody else who has gotten it and has not had a mild case, our um, empathy is with you. For those of you who had a mild case and want to give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, now we can talk about spirit guides. Okay, so (laughs) um, people, this is probably, if I had to say like what's my like... My two most frequently asked questions are like, how do I develop my intuition and how do I connect with my spirit guides? So first, let's talk a little bit about how we define spirit guides. So first, I want to say that depending on like cultural and religious history, this is not one size fits all kind of situation. You are going to see um, different definitions of what a spirit guide is and can be. So we're just here to talk about um, our experience in our teachings and in our beliefs what uh, that all kind of shakes out to. So I have kind of a theory that spirit guides are just like manifestations of um, different energetic archetypes. 
when we're talking about spirit guides, we can have, you know, deities, we can have animals, we can have departed loved ones, we can have planetary beings. Um, really, it can be anything. It can be your childhood favorite stuffed animal, if that um, resonates. Or even something that you don't even know the name of before, and there's like some sort of ascended master that has like come to you. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be, I think it makes people feel. doesn't have to be a name brand. Yeah. One thing that I will say that I've noticed is that sometimes people get really excited when they're like, oh my gosh, like Isis is working with me. Like they feel kind of like celebrity status and like not to burst your bubble. It's just sort of part of it. Like you have your own divinity and like we're all kind of working together to find this spiritual balance and anyone can come to anyone and you can talk to anyone that you want to talk to for the most part. Um, And they can come to you and you don't need to work with them right now, which I'll talk about because I had somebody come knocking on my door while I was in Vipassana in April. And no name uh, brand spiritual guides are not less than the guides that you may have heard of more prominently. So also don't think that if you are able to connect and it's like not (laughs) some like main well-known figure that there's something wrong with that. There's just a lot that we don't know and that exists in the spirit realm that there's options, many options. So I tend to think that these are like archetypes that are represented through whatever lens feels right to us. So that to me is why I see a lot of, um, you know, like probably the one of the most well-known spirit guides would be Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of like that Messiah archetype that has a lot of those stories that go along with it throughout many religions. But I see working with people with not even like strongly Christian backgrounds, but like people who were raised in predominantly Christian societies will still see that archetypal energy come through as Jesus Christ, because that is like how they can swallow it. That's how it makes the most sense. That resonates the most. I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you think that there's like that, like each being is their own being, or do you think that there's like a overarching archetype? I mean, well, and like, because most of my, like most of my guides that I work with are predominantly religious deities, the way in Reza Eslan, who is a uh, theologian scholar has broken it down like this too. Um, Cause I don't think you can talk about spirituality and spirit guides without like mentioning religion. Just so you guys all know, I'm not religiously oriented in any way, shape or form, spiritually very deeply rooted, but there are definite deities that have resonated with me. And what Reza says is that all religions, basically when you bring them, like break them down to their core are the exact same. The stories and the figures that go along with those religions are all the mythology that just resonate with you the most. And so with that, like if you're, um, you know, one of my biggest guides who I've worked with for over a decade now is Kali, who is deeply rooted in the Hindu religion. She's the goddess of time and change. And within Hindu religion, there's so many different gods and goddesses because each one has its own component that it like focuses on. Like Ganesh is the remover of obstacles. Kali is time and change and destruction. There's so many things. So like within that particular religion, there are individual deities that do focus on an archetype. Whereas within like Western culture, when you are talking about Christianity, Jesus is like the all and everything. But um, also, we ha- the, what's interesting to me, though, is that even within that, where it's like, <clears throat> oh, we have like this one God, but we also have the Holy Trinity. We have a lot of like Mother Mary worship and still, you know, like in Catholicism. True. And so I think that some of those archetypes, like I think Mother Mary 
energy when I interact with that particular frequency feels very similar to like Guan Yin. Yeah, I think that you're right. I think that it's just like what 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 resonates most I guess that's the verbiage that I would use well and the thing is too like what I've experienced especially with working with Kali for so long through so much of my healing and all the shit that she's literally put me through and that we've kind of come out of together she's even shifted to be more motherly and to be totally transparent I have a huge resistance to everything Christian because I am a gay woman in the United States of America so I have a block and we'll talk about our beloved Jesus because <laughs> he did come to me in Vipassana and I am not ready to work with him and he was like you need a queer type and this is probably going to offend some people whatever um he is a very queer oriented deity like if you look at that man there is he's probably genderless he is probably asexual if anything and just because of all of the bullshit that I have had to deal with being a gay woman in America, I am not ready to work with anybody who is Christian oriented, which is why I was really happy that Kali did come into this like motherly aspect because some of my healers that I work with were like, oh, you should work with Mother Mary. I'm like, no, I'm not. This is not somebody I'm ready to work with. And that's fine. Like, that's a fine thing to do. And we'll talk about too, like when you're integrating new deities in, or if somebody comes knocking at your door, ways to make sure, um, because I've worked with clients who open themselves up to everything, including all the bad shit. And there was no boundaries. Like even with your guides that you work with, there needs to be boundaries in order to protect yourself because you can leave yourself susceptible to other entities and other energies. I was thinking when you were talking too about like guides that can take on that mother energy archetype and how there's definitely, I I think again, it's like, what do you need in any moment or what resonates more with you? Um, And if you need like basically the hard mother or the soft mother archetype, and you like to work with hard mother archetypes more, you like more, like you like Kali, you like ayahuasca they're more like like fierce like lioness energy yeah which usually if i'm working with like a hard mother energy that's i i work with lioness energy as my default it's interesting to look at that compared with like those archetypes that do fall into it and again that's where i'm like oh there's kind of like an overlap between just some of those ways that they present themselves yeah well and that's what i was mentioning too though is like the way that kali has manifested and shifted is that she has actually been the soft mother she's obvious she's obviously been more of the fierce mother with you know she's just very she's a very ferocious being but she has for me and this might not be for anybody else like we've had a very long relationship together and i'll even talk about too like how she came into my life because i didn't even really know i knew of her i didn't know a whole lot about her and i will say too because when i am working with deities that are based in other cultures um, religious and spiritual practices um, i do think it is um, as a woman in america who is white it is i will have the relationship that i have with that particular deity but it's also very important that i know the mythology and i know the history and i know how that deity interacts within the culture in which she is most revered and worshipped Mm, yeah that's a great point i think sometimes too if you are a non-religious person if you are someone who is non-religious and specifically like religion resistant um i love uh working with like non-personified guides uh that aren't based as much in religion so animal guides are super great for that departed loved ones that you have um can be really great for that as well animal guides 
I think are really cool to work with. Um, I've noticed that sometimes people have a either an, you, I feel like either you have a way easier time connecting with an animal guide or a way harder time. And I think it has to do with your ability to like linguistically interpret because a lot of times when I'm connecting with animal guides, there is a lot more like animal style communication. So we're seeing like body language and action and sound but not always language and sometimes you can when you're in a connection with an animal spirit guide you can still ask for them to utilize language now we've covered kind of like the who and the what what are your tips for how to actually like connect with and build connection with spirit guide when i was in my i call it my woo school um we actually did like guided meditations where we opened ourselves up <clears throat> and once you there's this place that you get in your um, if for anybody who's meditated, you can feel the difference between like your thinking brain, like your frontal cortex, like you'll actually like feel if you have 11s. I have 11s because I'm always grimacing or squinting because I can't see because I don't wear my glasses ever. And you can like you can feel that part of your brain working. But when you get into a place and I, I want to be clear, meditating is both being in that place and in this other space that I'm going to talk about, um, like you don't succeed ever in meditation in any way, shape or form. It's just, it is what it is. Um, but if you can feel yourself kind of sink back a little bit further, it's like right behind your eyes. And what we do is we call that, and, the, and I've mentioned before too, we all have different vocabularies within this realm of work, <clears throat> but we call it our, um, our center of neutrality, the center of our head. It's basically where your third eye is. Um, that's where I get all of my data downloads when I'm doing readings. Uh, that's where I get my visualizations. That's where I get basically everything. If I'm operating from the front of my brain, that is where I am actually like thinking and analyzing. That's like my consultant program manager brain. And then back further is where I get into that deeper space. So when you're in that space is when you're going to be most receptive to be able to see who your guides are. And when I first started like actually working consciously, because <clears throat> um, I didn't even realize Kali was a guide. I just knew that like I had a thing with her. Um, and I can talk about how that is too, because that came about way differently. But I had like this bear guide and it, her name was Betty and she was really sweet. And she worked with me through this various part of my life. And when you get, when I got this guide, I know my teacher told me there's like four questions, four or five things that you need to like set with them. And I forgot basically all of them, except for the two that I find most helpful, which is one, you need to make an agreement with them that they are serving your highest good and that if you ever want them to go away, they have to. So if you're like, I don't want you knocking on my door right now, I need you to, to like not be as present. They have to respect that. And if they don't respect that, that is an indicator that it could be somebody who is um, not actually there for you, but for their own devious shit. Another <clears throat> thing that I just want to jump in about that is we were taught also to make sure that like you do get a name or a title that you can call them. I feel like there are definitely like trickster energetics, but even those still have rules that they kind of have to follow. It's very like Rumpelstiltskin, but having someone's name and then like also assessing how you feel when you get that and the level of authenticity of it um, is really important. So know who you're working with so that you are not um, putting yourself at risk of being energetic, energetically manipulated. Yeah. Although I have that guy, my healing guide is okay. one who I don't know 
I, it, it is a feminine energy. I don't know her name. I don't know who she is. And she is under this veil of secrecy, both for my own protection and hers. But the other thing that I do when I get a new guide is I vet them with my current guides. So my main guides that I work with now, and I have, it like rotates. I work with an Eagle guide. I work with Kali. I work with Isis and I work with ayahuasca. And whenever somebody is coming and what I have learned too with communing with them is that uh, the three specifically Kali, Isis and ayahuasca are actually the protectors of this other guide and me. So like they have been gifted to me because of this other guide. Um, but if I have somebody come in, Kali is my main girl. So I'll just look at her and be like, is this person, is this, is this entity, is this spirit legit? And then she'll give the either yes or no. And I, because I have such a long running trusting relationship with her, I, that's another way that I vet as well. Yeah. I love your, your point too, that making sure that they are working in your highest and best good, because we have to remember that um, these entities are their own beings and that they can absolutely have purposes that are beyond us. So I think sometimes when people get really excited about having like a celebrity type guide, um, sometimes that comes from like an ego place and that that ego place can be like, oh, well, I was chosen by this yeah. guide. And you can really get yourself into a lot of trouble with that because you are putting yourself in a subservient position and putting them really on a pedestal that means that you can take advice that isn't right for you. You can allow guidance that is actually serving, for example, you know, like ISIS's highest and best good. And maybe that's something that you want to do. Maybe it aligns with your personal goals, values, beliefs, and it's something that you want to choose. But you also need to know that you do not ever have to do anything that a guide tells you. Guidance is not law, it is guidance. And oftentimes I won't even refer to them as guides. I'll refer to them as allies or like non-physical friends because that's really more how I, I want people to think of them. I don't want them to think of them as these like, you know, high level beings that are unattainable to you and more so like collaborators yeah. uh, in spirit. And I have seen people be put into positions where they become sort of more manipulated and... So I have seen people be kind of taken advantage of by guides who have a lot of preference towards like being worshipped, who actually prefer that hierarchical sort of place. And I don't even want to say that there's anything like wrong with that. It's just that like some energies are like used to that. This episode of the Real Hauntings, Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey y'all, it's Noah Daniels, and oh boy, I just got my box of wild grain bread and pasta. My whole family has been so excited to dive in. We started with a sourdough, and it was amazing. If you're looking to make Mother's Day brunch planning easier or just looking for a great gift for your mom, you've got to check out Wild Grain. Order before May 6th to get your box in time for Mother's Day. Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. The next thing up for us to try is the biscuits with our breakfast. And you can now fully customize your wild grain box, so you can choose any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries. 
You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. When you go to wildgreen.com hauntings to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com hauntings. That's wildgrain.com hauntings, or you can use promo code hauntings at checkout. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. And um, kind of prefer it. And if you put yourself in a situation to show up to them that way, they can like it. So just know that you can or you cannot interact with them that way. It really should feel like a partnership. Yeah. Well, that's a question you can even ask them too, is like, I am willing to work with you. Are you willing to be collaborative? So I know I was taught these various questions and I'm actually kind of opposed to like any sort of like strict rules or uh, things about how to work within the spirit world. So I think what's really important is for you to kind of figure out what you are hoping to get from your work with a guide and what's most important to you um, with regards to the boundaries that you keep and find your own questions that you want to ask to vet them. And then whatever's going to be most important to you at that time in your life. And those questions will probably change as your life uh, progresses and as your healing work progresses and whatever happens to you in your life changes and shifts. So think about the questions that are like most pertinent to you and what you really like, what you want that relationship to look like. Yeah. And some people, um, one other question that I get around this a lot is like, how many spirit guides do people have? Um, I will say I have seen people have one. I have seen people have a dozen. I have seen people, I've actually seen a couple people have none that were like predetermined and they can just sort of like call them in as needed. So there's not really like, again, there's not a one size fits all uh, solution there. I usually see... Um, like if you think of it as like kind of like a, a company, like a management team, I've seen oftentimes that there will be one guide that sort of governs like one aspect, like something that they are an expert in or that they are an expert at holding for you. And so that might be like a guide that governs your parenting, a guide that governs your romantic connections, a guide that governs your work. Um, and those guides uh, will work together. They will work individually. Sometimes you'll have guides that don't like each other and there will be like debates (laughs) amongst them of how you should be guided in one situation. So, for example, if you had like a career based guide that was like, this is what's best for your career. My goal is to always guide your highest and best good for your career. And your family guide is like, 
we need to have a talk about work-life balance. <laughs> um, so you do have to be mindful that like, just because a guide says something doesn't mean that it, it is going to fit into every aspect of your life. You are still the decision maker. We are not turning over power to a spiritual guidance team. Yes. I think that's very important. Cause I, one thing you want to check, like just check yourself on too, is there's, there are people that we have worked with and will probably work with again in the future of very, of this type is like, there's some people that don't want to make their own decisions and, <laughs> and they want to like outsource all of that to their guides. And that also allows people to blame their guides for things that go wrong. But ultimately when it comes into your life and I am, I don't know if free will actually exists or not. I think that's up for debate, but when it comes, I think I do believe in the illusion of free will because we do make decisions. Uh, you know that you are making all of the decisions. So even if somebody is telling you to do something and you don't want to do it, but you do it, you are choosing to do that. Yeah, yeah. It's really important to have ownership over your actions. It's okay to be informed and, and use that information um, and the process of gathering information from your guides to make those decisions. Um, but we definitely don't want you utilizing your guides as a crutch for your own not wanting to uh, sort of pave your own path. Yeah. Um, okay, we have five minutes left to tell you how to actually connect with your guides. <laughs> Let's get kicking on that. Guided meditations, like Jess was mentioning, can be a really great way. Obviously, it's just scheduling a reading if that feels like if that's like way beyond your real wheelhouse, you can do a reading with a intuitive and have them like be like, hey, this is who's showing up for you today. That won't necessarily get you like a complete and comprehensive list, but it will um, usually bring forward a guide that's relevant, most relevant to whatever you're working on at the moment. I do have a guided meditation on my website as well for meeting your spirit guides. So if that's something that you want to undertake on your own, you can do that and that is at themirrorgrid.com. In terms of connecting and like, like interpreting the information as it comes through, first you have to realize that your spirit guides are already communicating with you. They are guiding to the best of their ability. So just because you are maybe not conscious of it does not mean that they are not putting things in your pathway. Um, so the, sort of the idea of like, oh, I have to connect with them. I have to talk to them. Like that is lovely and that is another tool in your tool belt. But you also can trust that like, they are doing their best to show you what they need to show you. So lining things up such that you will get the point. Um, it is more convenient, I think, to talk to your guide and get the information quicker. But just know that you're not disconnected from your guides if you're not talking to them. They are managing what needs to be managed. Yeah. Um, automatic writing is a really good way to connect with guides, especially certain kinds of guides that will flow really well with. Um, like I said, like different kinds of guides seem to have different ways that they like to communicate. So a guide that was like a linguist in their incarnated life is probably going to want to talk. <laughs> um, you know, animals might be more uh, visual or sensational. Like we talked about, some guides are going to want to connect in a like uh, more worship driven kind of way or even in a certain like sacred kind of space or sacred container. Uh, plant medicine guides obviously like are facilitated and carried by plant medicine, but that doesn't mean that you can't connect with them outside of that. It just means that that is a clear pathway for them. Yeah. Like I don't ever have to actually ingest ayahuasca again to work with ayahuasca. In fact, she's even told me that every time I tried to ingest her now, the experience is going to be the same uh, to actually have me not uh, like use that as a, a crutch. Another thing I want to mention too, <clears throat> is that if you're like finding yourself weirdly fascinated by some 
entity, deity, something like that. Uh, pay attention to that. Because, like, Kali came to me. Um, I was sitting in a satsang in uh, Rishikesh. And they always, like, sang chants and stuff like this. And this one particular chant, which we had never sung before, in the middle of it, I just start sobbing quietly, as quietly as I possibly can. You know, I don't sob quietly. Um, but I just start absolutely crying. And I look at the the actual words and there were three um, goddesses that were listed there. It was like Saraswati and somebody else and Kali. And I just looked at Kali's name and the tears just flowed from my eyeballs. And I was like, what the fuck <laughs> is this? And that's when I, that was like the introduction to Kali. But then like Evelyn said, I didn't actually talk to her until a couple years later, not even a couple years. Um, it was a couple months afterwards. I and I ended up getting jumped in India. And when I worked with one of my friends who was a healer to just kind of like talk to higher beings about that experience, she's the one that came to the table and mentioned that that was something that she did in order to start the ball rolling with everything else that I was about to do. And it's on brand. I mean, (laughs) it is Kali. And so that's when I started working with her, but that incident was something that she placed into my path. And it was, and she was like, it was at the right time. The taxis were still running. It was one man. He wasn't armed. It was like a terrifying experience that would make you go into doing all of this other therapeutic work that would open up all this other stuff, but you were always safe and protected through it, even though it was an absolutely terrifying experience. That, that brings up a really important point too, that like, highest and best good does not mean most comfortable oh yeah so your guides are not abusing you if you are being put in hard or uncomfortable or even like dangerous situations um they're serving like big picture highest and best good um so just know that discomfort is often always going to be part of um your growth process in this life. And so don't necessarily be turned off, I guess, yeah. by the fact that sometimes you do have to learn things the hard way. thing I did bring up is a very traumatic experience and everybody has their own way of dealing with that as well. So if I really do like taking whatever experiences I have and figuring out where the learning is from that, and I know that not everybody is into that and mm-hmm. I, there's no judgment of that either. Um, that's just the way that I... And, and best and I, equipped with that. I feel like both things are true too. Sort of the idea yeah. that like everything happens for a reason, and also some things are terrible and random. Like I don't, I don't actually think that those things. Uh, like I, I think sometimes it's one, and sometimes it's the both other. Ends. Yeah, Either yeah. They like, both exist. When really bad things happen, I don't think that we need to necessarily like spiritual bypass with like a everything happens for a reason because sometimes, you know, this is where I do believe that free will exists because I do believe that. I believe that we can mess things up. I think we can mess things up on our timelines. I think that we can commit harms that we're not supposed to. Um, and then that ultimately like the universe is trying to balance itself out as we go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, I, I think that it can feel really good to, for a lot of people to contextualize traumas through through what they can do next like what can i do with this how can i make it so that this wasn't only something that set me back like how can i move forward and i think it's just a difference in interpretation between is that assigning a meaning or a purpose to my pain and like is that me it like you know i I guess i think that that's that can be purposeful if it puts you on a path towards moving forward and for some people it won't 
Yeah. And so if it doesn't, like you need to do what you need to do to move on to the next path. And so sometimes viewing something as like this was a terrible and random thing that happened that wasn't deserved and I need to leave it as that and move on with my life from there. Yeah. So whatever gets you forward, man. Yeah. Just know your guys won't always be like mine and traumatize you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and the truth was I was already traumatized. I just didn't know how traumatized I was. It was more incident. putting a magnifying glass on your trauma. <laughs> it, yeah. So that I could actually pay attention to it. Yeah. I mean, that's, but yeah, your highest good, I think ultimately is what we're trying to, I, I did want to bring out those caveats though, because yeah. that was probably, uh, was a very awful experience and it was a hard pathway to high oh it was a very very hard pathway but i'm think i'm honestly thankful for it which is so strange to say and there were other key learnings in well, that well and that's but. one of those things that like some people would look back at that after 50 years and be like that i could never say that i was thankful for that yeah. and that's okay too like yeah. it's okay to look back at it and say hey i'm grateful that this sent me on this path and it's okay to look at it and say i can't ever say that that fucking sucked I yeah. wish it never happened. Yeah. Why do I have a hole in my leg? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hate this hole in my leg. <clears throat> yeah. Makes you look tough. <laughs> or something. At least it's not on your face. Yeah. It's not on my face. Gratitude it's just on my practice. It's just on my shin. I know. I have Evelyn poke it every now and then. <laughs> Freaks her out. Yeah. Um, it's healed. It's a healed hole. <laughs> but yeah. But like the, like we were saying, the highest good is not going to be comfortable. Well, that's a, another thing too is like you're like... And there was somebody on like Glennon's podcast who was talking about how she hates how people say, oh, I wouldn't be the person I am today if all of this stuff didn't happen. But like in growth mindset work, if you're in this place of comfort and I don't, I don't want to say complacency, but like if you're in a really comfortable place, oftentimes people aren't like, hmm, where can I make improvements? Mm -hmm. It's more just kind of coasting on where you're at and where people tend to make the most changes in their life and where people grow the most is through adversity and is through challenge and um, un like discomfort and sometimes awfulness. And that's where like these nuggets of shifts and growth actually happen. I don't know a single person in my life. I was actually thinking about this um, while we were preparing for this for some reason, because I didn't think I was going to bring it up. But I can't think of a single person who has made astronomical shifts and changes in their lives when things were going really well. Yeah. I mean, I would have been when I look back at like my key turning points in my spiritual life, but in my, you know, sort of like tangible life as well, they all stem from a bump in the road. And, you know, some of them are bigger bumps than others, but you have to have those moments that make you think. You have to have the invitations come up. Yeah. Um, to question things. Yeah. Yeah. And while I don't think that that necessarily means we have to like tolerate or suffer horrific abuse. No. It, it, it is like when things come up, you have a choice of what to do with it at that point because we can't go back. We can't take it back. We can't fix it. You know, our linear timeline that we as humans are operating on, it, it goes one way right now. So like you can... You can choose to, um, unless you do a lot of drugs, <laughs> unless you do a lot of drugs. And that's been this episode of Beyond the Hall. <laughs> okay, you guys, if you want to send us questions, if you have anything that's been, um, you know, just kind of the bug in your ear, please send us your questions. You can email me directly at k.evelynkennedy or you can fill out a submission form on my website, themiragrid.com. We're going to make a Gmail. We talked about this before I went even into Vipassana. 
Yeah. We need to have a Beyond the Haunt email address. Don't worry. We probably will at some point. Um, uh, but right now, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you guys trust us with your questions. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> so reach out. If you have any questions, let me know. You know, we want to know about your spirit guides and what your connections are like. Yeah. So, so until you know, next time, you guys. And I'm, I can be found at... Thank you very much, Miss Plug all over the place. You got uh, it. Look, <laughs> I can't carry the team on the plugs. I know. Plus, I'm kind of stepping away from this work anyway. So, um, <laughs> but maybe not. Don't Who knows, actor? Yeah. <laughs> Don't contact me. No, but you can find me at jpowintuitive.com. Yeah, that's how websites work, right? All right. Anyway, we love all you guys. Talk to you next time. Peace. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.